I had a pastor that um, he said, because uh, every time he'd get up, they'd have to, to readjust his mic. He said, I, I went through puberty every Sunday. <laughs> Me, I'm the, I'm the Verizon guy. Am I on yet? Am I, am I on now? So just a reminder to all the kids, even though Jesus' blood has covered your sin, you must still clean your room. <laughs> Thank you, Krita. Um, all right, let's, let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much um, for who you are, and thank you for your word. Lord, as we open your word together, I pray that you will enlighten us. Lord, there's, knowledge is good. It's, it's really good to know what's in your word, and it's good to understand it more. But if it never changes our hearts, if it never gets us closer to you, all it is is worthless facts. So, Lord, I, I pray that not only will we gain knowledge today, but apply it to our lives, apply it to our hearts. Let it change us in such a way that we become even one little step closer to being like Jesus. And hopefully it'll be a giant leap closer to being like Jesus. Help us today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. So today is Pentecost Sunday, um, and we're going to be going over Acts chapter 2. If you uh, have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 2, we'll be going through that. Acts 2, if you read the email this morning, there is so much in Acts 2. I could probably spend a month of Sundays there, and we're not going to. Okay, so I'm going to try to zip through a bunch of things this morning. Um, what I want to do more than anything is to show how Acts 2 is a fulfillment of so much of what's in the Old Testament. I believe that uh, really you know, as great, and I don't want to take anything away from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It is central to the message of the gospel. But I believe that Jesus went through everything he did so that he could send us the Holy Spirit. The more, I, the more I study uh, the New Testament, the more I see that the Spirit is what has created the church. And without the Holy Spirit, it would, it would all fall apart. So everything that Jesus did was so that he could have Acts 2 come about. So let's look at Acts 2 this morning. Uh, let me set it up just a little bit, and then what I'm going to do is just kind of go through the text and explain as we go, and then I've got a very special application I feel like the Lord has, has laid on my heart. As we left off last Sunday, uh, remember Jesus had, had um, risen again um, on, the, on the third day, and then he appeared for a, about 40 days to his disciples, you know, off and on and teaching them about the kingdom of God. We saw in Acts 1 that he ascended before them. And he told them to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came. He actually said, until you receive the power. As John said, you know, I baptize you with water, but the Holy Spirit, uh, but the one coming after me will baptize with the Holy Spirit and power. And that's what they did. It's great, they obeyed. Right? It's always good to obey when Jesus gives you a command, please obey. And um, if you don't, Sometimes 
Sometimes he'll just leave you alone. Other times he'll drag you kicking and screaming. So it's a lot easier if you just obey when he says to. And they did. They, they went and they stayed in Jerusalem in the upper room. Uh, there were about 120 of them together. And verse 2 says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. By the way, Pentecost means 50. Um, Pentecost was uh, 50 days after Passover. So seven, seven weeks, seven weeks in a day after Passover. And um, Pentecost uh, was the Jewish Feast of Weeks. It came to be, Pentecost is actually Greek, so it came later to be known as Pentecost, meaning 50. Uh, but it came to be seen, and we'll see this a little bit later, but it came to be seen by the Jews as the day when Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. It's not specific in the Old Testament, so I'm, uh, that's why I'm phrasing it that way. It doesn't say in Exodus you know, or in, in Deuteronomy, this is when, when Pentecost happened. But the Jews, over their history and tradition, believed that the Feast of Weeks, uh, that Pentecost is when Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai is going to play very, very particular into this passage. So they're all together in one place. And verse 2 says, And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Okay, keep your, keep your finger there. I'm trying to decide how many of these passages I'm just going to explain to you and how many I actually want you to see. Uh, but flip over to Exodus 19. Exodus 19. Speaking of Mount Sinai, this is, this is Mount, Mount Sinai. And I'm going to read this in a second what you get there. But the idea of this, the picture that you see with Pentecost, and this is very important, it, it is very symbolic of the Mount Sinai experience. Okay, in verse 18, it says, Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. So the, the idea is that, the, that God came in fire on top of Mount Sinai. Okay? Remember, remember Mount Sinai? God, God came there and only Moses um, went up into the, into the cloud, right? Moses went, took Joshua with him and the people could not go up the mountain, right? Because they, God said, if they go up, they're going to get killed. Keep them away. And they put up barriers so that the people wouldn't go up the mountain. The idea here is that the mountain and the temple, because remember God came in the temple in the glory cloud, the mountain and the temple has, has it's gone from a mountaintop experience to a very personal experience. The whole idea of Pentecost is that God wanted to take his presence and move it from a mountain or move it from a physical building, a, a tabernacle or a temple, and put it within the people. This was 
the filling of the temple, just like it was when, uh, when the tabernacle of Moses was set up and God filled it, when uh, the temple of Solomon was set up and God filled it, and the priests couldn't even go in and minister because the, the presence of God was so strong there. This is what happened, but that's why it says that the, the, it came in fire, and the fire uh, uh, sat upon each person. It distributed itself upon each person. It's because God was showing that the temple has gone from a place to people. And it's his desire to fill each one of us by his spirit. Just as he did with the tabernacle with Moses, just as he did with the temple with Solomon, he wants his presence to fill each and every one of us. So it's here, Acts chapter 2, is the place that we see the, the temple going from a building to the people of God. Okay? Got it? Very important. That's going to kind of be the underlying thing, the, the, whole, the whole passage, going from the uh, building or even the mountain. Remember in, in the last part of Hebrews, Hebrews 12, it says you've not come to a mountain that, that you um, can touch in the flaming fire, but you've come to Mount Zion that you ascend up in worship. Right? So the people of God is, are the temple. The people of God is now Mount Zion and Mount Sinai. Okay, now verse 5. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, what, by the way, what sound occurred? The rushing wind. Thank you. A lot of people, I've, I've heard. I've seen commentators that say, yeah, when the people came out and started speaking in tongues and everybody heard them in their own languages, that that was a sound that attracted everybody. But think about it. Jerusalem was a bustling uh, place, especially on a high holy day. It was filled with people. And they were, it, from the passage, there were people from all walks of life. They heard languages, all the, different languages all the time. But when the mighty rushing wind came, it attracted a crowd. And where did the mighty rushing wind come from? Say again? Heaven. Heaven. Right. And who's in heaven? God. Jesus. Right. Thank you. Right. So God brought the people. When the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why? Are, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own language speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they're full of sweet wine. Now, this, this is also a fulfillment passage. And let me just, uh, I'll just tell you this one. In Genesis 11, anybody remember what happens in Genesis 11? There you go. Thank you, Tim. Perfect. Remember the Tower of Babel, right? What happens at the Tower of Babel? 
broke them into languages, right. But what, what, was the, what was the point that God made with the languages? They were all unified, right? They were all unified. They, were, they had come together, and God came down. He said, and they're building this tower, and God said, nothing will be impossible to them. Right? I'm actually going to flip there. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is, this is what they began to do, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down, and they're confused their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. What, God's, what God did on the day of Pentecost is this is symbolically a saying, look, God's taking everybody and putting them in one language again. There's, there's pretty ample evidence that, that they actually had the gift of hearing, that, that as the disciples and as the 120 came out speaking in tongues, that everybody heard, said they heard them in their own languages. And so what God is doing is he's saying, look, I'm taking it from everybody in the earth and I'm allowing them to be unified once again. I'm bringing them into unity so that they can, so that nothing that they put their minds to, that they accomplish, will, excuse me, let me say that again, nothing that they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Now that's good news, because we, we, we do have a purpose, Right? We've talked about that recently. The purpose of, of, the, of the Lord is for, to, to see the kingdom of God expand, to see um, you know, disciples made all over, the, all over the world. And what he's doing is saying, you know what? At Babel, I separated everybody and said, you can't work together. At Pentecost, I'm saying, here is unity once again. Work together and accomplish all of my purposes. Nothing's impossible for you. I hope I'm not the only one that thinks it's really cool. Then we have Peter's sermon. Peter, taking a stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. So take a pause right there. We'll, we'll read again here in just a second. So the people are seeing what the, they appear to be drunk. They're so full of the Holy Spirit. They, they appear not to be acting in their right minds. They're, wa- they're wondering, what, what's going on? And Peter says, what you are seeing and hearing, the people acting this way and them, them speaking, in, in, speaking in tongues and, and you're being able to hear in your own languages, this is what Joel prophesied. You see that? It's, imp- it's important to, to note that, okay? Because I'm going to read what Joel prophesied here in just a second. So what Joel prophesied is what was happening right then in front of their eyes. That's what Peter just said. Am I right? Okay. All right, let's read it. 
And it shall be in the last days, verse 17, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right, take a pause right there for just a second. There's a couple of things that, that we need to note here. Okay, first of all, um, flip over to Joel 2. This is where this comes from. Joel chapter 2. Joel, it's right before Amos, um, uh, right after it says Daniel, Hosea, Joel. I know I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting your fingers all warmed up. Let your fingers do the walking this morning. Joel chapter 2. Verse number 30. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. It will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. For behold, in those days, this is chapter 3, verse 1, And at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations. See that? Gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. And they have divided up my land. They have also cast lots for my people, traded a boy for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. But you see the the emphasis there is, I'm pouring out my spirit, and then I will gather all the nations together. Right? It's, it's both a, um, we're, God's pushing us out into the nations, and God is gathering the nations. This is what, what, exactly what he did with the mighty rushing wind, right? He gathered all these different people right there for the disciples. Also, in Numbers 11, you don't have to go there if you, unless you want to. Numbers 11, remember um, when the, uh, Moses has the elders, right? And uh, God takes of the spirit that's on Moses, and he uh, disperses it on the elders, and they all begin to prophesy. And there was a couple of them that were uh, out in the camp still, and they began to prophesy in the camp. And they came to Moses and said, uh, do you, you want us to make him stop? What's going on? And he said, are, are you jealous for my sake? I, I would that, that all of God's people were prophets. I want them all to prophesy. I want them all to have the Spirit of God upon them and be able to prophesy. And that's what takes place here in Acts 2. Upon your young, your, your young men, your old men, your, your young ladies, your old ladies... 
they'll all be they will all prophesy. That's what it says, right? If I got that right, am I remembering that correctly? They'll all be able to prophesy. They'll all have the Spirit of God upon them, and they will prophesy. And we all should be able to as well, because that is one of the marks, one of the hallmarks of people receiving the Spirit, is to be able to speak the things of the Spirit. And when we talk about the spiritual gifts, we're going to actually uh, dive into that a bit more. And you all, um, if you are open and willing, if you haven't prophesied, you will. Okay? And there's different levels of prophecy, and we'll talk about that. But if you haven't, you're able. This says you're able to, right? Let me just double check here. Okay? Um, it, when I get to what you your category you fall into, raise your hand, right? I'll pour forth my spirit. I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. Okay, your sons and your daughters. Are you anybody in here a son or a daughter? Okay, good. Uh, shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Even bond slaves, men and women. So not only free but but slaves. Okay, I'll pour forth my spirit. Uh, of my spirit, and they shall, what? Prophesy. Prophesy. So did, did everybody in here at some point have your hand raised? Okay. Just making sure I'm talking to the right crowd this morning. All right, so we see that this is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. All of this is, is bringing these images from the Old Testament and saying this is what is taking place. It's, it's Mount Sinai. It's the presence of God. It's the movement from the temple to the person. It's, it's also the, the whole um, idea with Moses, the spirit coming upon each person. It's, it's God having a remnant that he is pouring out his spirit. He's giving the gifts, and he's also saying, okay, it's time to, uh, to press that out into the nations. Then Peter continues on, verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God, I love that. I love those but gods. There's a few of them in uh, the New Testament that you just, you know, everything is going crazy sideways but God but God raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power for David says of him I saw the Lord always in my presence for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted moreover my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow your holy one to undergo decay you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Then Peter, brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tombs with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and he knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, 
He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he will neither abandon, his, abandon to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. So, by the way, when, when was Jesus enthroned? Right? Did, did you get that? So he looked ahead to the resurrection of Christ and his ascension. Okay? This Jesus, God raised him up again to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So, Lord, we, we, we often just refer to him as Lord, but it's really, here, it's, it's, he, is, he is God and Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Right? Everybody got that? What, what does Christ mean? Messiah? What does the Messiah mean? Anointed one, right? Did, did you know there were other um, Messiah or Christ in, in the Old Testament? Did you know that? Because it's, it's the anointed one. It's the one with the anointing placed upon them. It's the king. Okay? We have, we have made it exclusive to Jesus, and that's a good thing. Because he is the eternal king. He's the king that doesn't ever lose his throne. He's the king that will never die and be replaced. By the way, that's why this is totally aside, totally free, okay? But that's why, you know, um, we have been counting the years uh, Anno Domini. Because it was always in this year of this king, in the sixth year of King Cyrus, in the 25th year of King Jehoshaphat, Right? So we are counting the years of the king in the 2021st year of King Jesus. That's why it's A.D. Oh, Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, flip over to Psalm 110 really quickly. This is the most quoted verse from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Psalm 110. comes right before right after Psalm 109 The Lord says to my Lord sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion saying rule in the midst of your enemies By the way who is Zion Come on we just talked about it who's Zion No. The people of God. The church. So if he's stretching his strong scepter forth from Zion, where is he running out of? 
if he's stretching, it says he's stretching his strong scepter forth from Zion, where does the rain come from? From us. Do you see it? He's reigning in heaven, but his, his arm comes through us. His head is in heaven, his body's on earth. Pretty cool thought, huh? Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. In holy array from the womb of the dawn, your youth are to you as the dew. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the, what? Nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. See again the idea of nations? That the, the idea of Pentecost, the whole thing, it's about filling us, filling all the people of God, making them into one people so that we can change the nations, so that the nations will come in to, to be part of the people and the kingdom of God. And it's all throughout the Old Testament, and it's all fulfilled right here in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit comes. Now, this is something the Lord has shown me, really, has really challenged me with in the last couple of weeks. And let me just, um, let me just say this is, something that I believe the North American church has missed. And I am one of the chief ones. And I'm going to admit that right here. I, I've, I've missed this, and I think that what God is doing is something different. And as you, as you look at the church, especially in North America right now, and in, in the last uh, over, little over 100 years, Something that God has done is he's taken, uh, he's restored many of the gifts, right? Remember uh, back in the early 1900s with Azusa Street and right even before that in Topeka, Kansas, um, you, had, you had the gifts starting to be restored. You, you had the, the gift of speaking in tongues and, and you had um, you know, healings and miracles and signs and wonders at Azusa. And then uh, you keep on going through that century and God started restoring a lot of the uh, Ephesians 4 gifts, uh, back in the 80s with the prophet and it's starting in the 90s and with the apostle and as people are starting to see the gifts come about. You see a restoration uh, um, come a lot with um, uh, in Toronto uh, with, when God visited people in Toronto and also in Brownsville, Smithton, Missouri, even um, out in Redding, California, Bethel. And uh, God has visited his people but I believe right now what, what I'm seeing at least is a lot of the gifts are waning. They're not, there's not much of an emphasis on them anymore. It's not that people aren't using some of, some of them are there still, but there's not that much of an emphasis on them anymore, which is a shame. We don't want that to happen. Uh, but I believe a lot of what is taking place is that 
that God wants there to be a shift. And let me explain that to you here, what I'm meaning. Go back to the first uh, few verses of Acts 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Right? Then the mighty rushing wind came that filled the whole house where they were sitting. Uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And then God gathered a crowd outside. God gathered a crowd outside. And they all went out there to address the crowd. And what I have seen and what I've been a part of in the church is that we want everyone to come in here. Oh, we pray for the people of God to come. Lord, bring them in. And we're bringing, we want to bring them into the church. And that's a good thing. They should be brought into the church. A lot of times we have revival services. And what do we do? We all, you know, God, God comes and, and he, it's really good. And what do we do? We go home and we get on our phone and we call up all of our Christian friends, and all the Christians come to the revival services, right? I've seen this. I've been a part of it. Uh, the, the church I grew up in, um, uh, we, we came back from some meetings in Toronto, and we went for like seven or eight weeks, of four, four nights a week meeting and, and having re, re, these re, great, great revival services, people getting set free and people getting healed and, and uh, you know, emotional stuff that people baggage that they had been dealing with, they were set free from. And it was, it was great and glorious, but most of it were Christians. Because God started moving and we all got on our phones and said, hey, God's moving here, come and see. And we had people come from all over the place. And that's good, I'm not knocking that, but I believe what God wants to do is for us to take, get filled here the gifts here, we want, he wants to pour out his spirit, but not for us. He wants us to take it outside. He wants us to be filled here, and he wants us to take it out. And instead of us praying and saying, oh God, please, please bring the people in. Bring, bring them into church. We've got such great things going on at our church. He wants to gather the people out here. And then we got to go out there and go get them. Now the result will be, hopefully, that they come into church. Because once we've gone out and they've accepted the Lord, then they come in. Of course they come in because they want to be with the people of God. Right? But I believe there needs to be a shift in our focus. That when we pray that God would begin bringing people to us, that he'll gather them out here. That when we pray that the Lord would visit us by his spirit, yes, there'll be great things with us. I absolutely believe that. Healing and, 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 and provision and love and hope and joy and people set free. And, but the purpose for that is not for us. The purpose for that is for them. Right? We've already got it. If all of us, if everybody in here died today, and I pray that that wouldn't ever take place, we've got a home to go to, right? But they don't. They've got a hell to go to. 
So everything that we receive, we've got to take it out there. And I believe what we're going to see is that when we switch our focus to out there from in here, we'll see more of the gifts. And we'll see us filled more. I'm not sure God is filling. I'm not sure God is bringing people because we've got the wrong focus. So I've, I've mentioned before the Lord's shown me this is a year of preparation. And I think this is so much part of what that is. And we're going to be talking in the, in the coming months about who we are in Christ. We're going to be talking also about the gifts. I want us to be filled. I want us to continue to pray that we are so filled by the Spirit of God that all of these things are activated with the emphasis, with the purpose that we get to take him outside. Not so that we can just have them in here. See, they could have all they could have invited people in, right? God, God could have met, had them meet in such a place that it could have held everybody. Just, just bring them inside the building. He gathered them, but he gathered them outside, and they had to go out. And as we start praying, as we as we pray, let's pray that God will gather the people but that he will put them right in front of us. I've been doing this. I, I often will, will take, take walks around town. And I, in the last couple of weeks, the Lord's really put this on my heart. I've started saying, okay, Lord, uh, you know, put people in front of my path. If I see someone who's, who's sick and they're in front of my path, that means you've brought them there for me to pray for them. And so I'm, I'm going with that purpose. I walk around town. I'm trying to think, okay, I'm trying to really be sensitive to the Spirit. Say, okay, Lord, do I need to go one direction or the other? And I'm looking. I'm kind of, okay, is there somebody here that you brought along my path for me to minister to? And if we all do that every day, Lord, who is it that you're putting my path today to minister to? Lord, bring him. Bring him. Bring that rushing mighty wind and gather them. Right in my path. I believe he will. But we've got to be willing to go. A lot of it's just going to be our everyday walk. Going to work. Going to school. Going to the store. Taking a walk downtown. Seeing somebody at the gas station. That'll be your everyday walk. But being intentional, say, okay, God, who are you bringing? And I believe that if we're intentional, he'll bring the people. And we, we're, we'll be filled, but we'll be filled to take it out. Because you, you can't, there, there's, a, there's a saying in sales, you can't sell from an empty cart. You can't give what you don't have. So I believe he'll fill us when we have our, our focus right. That when you fill us, Lord, we're taking it out. We're not going to just spend it on us. You're going to fill us and we're going to take it outside and spend it on other, other people. Amen. So more than anything this week, let's get our focus right. Let's get our focus on the outside. And let's begin to pray every day. Pray that the... Pray that the Lord will bring people in front of your path 
and that when he does, that he'll use you, that you'll, you'll, that he'll give you whatever they need, and then be intentional to be looking for God to, to um, answer that prayer. Because I believe he wants to. If he's not answering it, it's because we, I believe, because we need to be more filled. That's what I'm, I'm thinking. Okay, Lord, you did not put people in front of my path, so I need to be more filled. So fill me up, Lord, so that when I get out there, it's just going to spill over. And whoever you need it to spill over on, bring him in. We're going. Amen.